Hey everyone, and welcome to your daily dose of Healing to Shift, where the goal is to heal our souls and to transform our minds so we can transform our lives. This is truly a self-love journey, and it starts with you. Welcome back. How is everyone doing this Monday? How was everyone's weekend? I hope everyone's weekend went well. And so today we're just, we're going to talk about when it feels like you're against all odds, you know, it's opportunities are not always afforded to us. They do not always present themselves to us, especially the ones we want that can be life-changing for us. We live in a world where there is clearly two distinct groups of people which are made up of the advantage and the disadvantage. So the advantage naturally have opportunities presented to them either through wealth, inheritance, resources, through knowing a class of people that have connections and various resources that they can utilize. The advantage can easily climb their way up the ladder of success, not necessarily through intelligence and hard work, but rather through connections and word of mouth. And simply put, there are people who have advantages in life that enable them to more easily create the life that they want and desire. This is not to say that all people who are advantaged have it easy, but rather to say that they have opportunities and resources that are are more easily accessible and available to them as opposed to other people. So the disadvantage, on the other hand, were not born into wealth, nor have they acquired a large inheritance that can help in giving them a head start to creating the life they desire. Most of the times, the disadvantaged do not have an ideal background or upbringing. The disadvantaged have to be creative, twice as hardworking, rely much on their own skills and talents. They do have resources that are available to them. However, some of these resources are extremely competitive and narrow. So take, for instance, grants. We'll use grants as an example. Yes, they have all kinds of grants for various people for all types of purposes, right? But those grants have a ton of applicants applying for them because large is the amount of people in a disadvantaged state that are trying to improve their life. So due to this, the application process is narrow. Like it, it has a lot of strict guidelines for those that can apply in order for, for the, the, the people um, that have, that are behind these grants to more easily filter out whom will be considered for these grants, all right? So being a part of the disadvantaged group may not sound appealing, but there are so many qualities that a disadvantaged person grows and develops that can only be obtained through the process of seizing your opportunity. When you look up the word opportunity, the word opportunity is defined as your chance, your shot, your moment, or your turn. So when you hear people speaking of seizing their opportunity, they are oftentimes speaking in, in terms of what is referred to as a window of opportunity. For example, if a 
director position at work becomes available and you're in a management position, but you have been wanting to have more responsibility and a higher role of leadership, you would seize this window of opportunity to apply for the director position. Seizing your opportunity does not always mean that when a window of opportunity opens up, that you seize that moment by grabbing hold of the opportunity. When I speak of seizing your opportunities, I mean seizing them by creating the opportunity for yourself. You create your moment, your chance, your shot, or your turn. You grab hold of what you want and desire in life by creating it for yourself. There are doors you are going to have to create or build for yourself so you can step through it. There are walls you are going to have to break down and barriers you are going to have to break through. There are many people in this world that are sitting around waiting for their window of opportunity, for a door to open up for them, for that perfect moment to present itself so they can seize it. But I am here to tell you from experience that you do not have to wait for your window of opportunity to open up because waiting is just that you're waiting. And while you're waiting, you're losing precious time that can be utilized towards you taking your chance, taking your shot, taking your moment, taking your turn by creating your opportunity. You can seize what you want in life by creating, developing, making, producing, and building your own opportunity for yourself. An example of someone who seized their opportunity by building their own door that was clearly disadvantaged is Tyler Perry. And many of us are familiar with Tyler Perry as a superstar mogul. However, Tyler Perry did not always live the glamorous and fruitful life he now lives. Tyler Perry did not come from wealth and his upbringing was physically and sexually abusive. From what I have read, he even attempted to commit suicide to escape his abuse. Tyler Perry also experienced homelessness and hunger. He did not complete high school, but despite of that, he earned his GED, which was is, is awesome. In his early 20s, he was inspired to write due to a comment someone made on the Oprah Winfrey show about how writing can have a therapeutic effect. So this led Tyler Perry to write a series of letters to himself, which he later repurposed into a musical titled, I Know I've Been Changed. From there, he, his passion for writing continued to evolve. And look, here he is today, a well-known writer, actor, filmmaker, playwright, and entrepreneur, an influencer. Two things that are important to take note of when considering the example of Tyler Perry is one, he always makes it clear on any platform that he is speaking on that he attributes his success solely on his trust and faith in God. The second is his opportunities evolved out of problems. 
Opportunities often evolve out of problems. They do. However, the problems is why many people do not seize their opportunities. It is the reason why many stay in a place of complacency. Problems can prevent the mind from thinking of new possibilities, new ideas, and dormant creativity. Problems can move someone to play it safe in life and to never take chances or leaps of faith. Problems can make you feel that this is the only way life will ever be for you if you let it. And there is a type of adverse reaction that occurs when someone is fed up and tired of problems. And this is when opportunities evolve out of problems because an awakening begins to happen. You have emotions that once suppressed you that are now driving you. You start believing that there has to be more to life than what you have been experiencing. Fear no longer tramples you and courage starts to surface and push you driving you into taking chances that you would have never taken before. Your mind is now working overtime because you are now activating the creativity that you were blessed with. Your brain begins to move on a frequency of creativity and not on a frequency of fear and self-doubt. Problems can either serve as a handicap to you or can serve as ammunition and fuel to drive you to your opportunities. Problems are the catalyst to creating the life you desire and deserve. And there is an equation to this, okay? A spiritual computation that if followed from beginning to end, your one plus one will equal the life you deserve and desire. It will. All right. So earlier when I mentioned that not all resources are available to, to us, I was speaking about earthly resources. Okay. And so, so when we limit ourselves to earthly resources, it is more competitive because we are speaking of man-made resources. But what if I told you that there are limitless resources in the spiritual realm? God is a limitless resource. And I don't care what people say in this globe that we reside in, there are resources that are not afforded to all of us if we are solely relying on what this world has to offer. It is not a fair and equal play field in this earthly domain. But in God's domain, he blesses all of his children. But we have to apply the spiritual computation in our lives. So what is the spiritual formula or computation I'm talking about? Well, first, we have to go to a biblical example of someone who solved this spiritual computation, which equaled the life he deserved and desired. But before we get into uh, the Bible example of whom I'm speaking about, let me start off by saying that the road to building your own door of opportunity is not easy. It's not. So there are going to be several moments when you feel like giving up, that your hard work and effort is in vain, that you aren't influencing the masses, moments when you doubt your talent, moments when you feel you may have made the wrong decision, 
that things aren't moving quick enough, times when you're anxious and scared because you sacrifice all that you have to build this door of opportunity and there has yet to be a return on, on investment or something of value, value that is tangible, times when you feel like God is not working things out in your favor, there are going to be People who don't believe in you and who doubt your abilities, people who may even try to oppress you. There are going to be many days when you feel alone and misunderstood. I've been there. It's okay. Through all the grit, tears, frustration, and moments of doubt and mental and emotional anguish, there is a beautiful light at the end of the tunnel if you follow this spiritual computation. Okay, so getting into our um, biblical example, who, which is Joseph. Joseph was disadvantaged and it was out of his problems that his opportunities evolved. Now, he did not start out disadvantaged, so let's be clear on that. Joseph was given a vision of his future and legacy, which caused a chain of events to transpire, which resulted in him being in a disadvantaged state, okay? I was trying when when thinking about his example i was trying to think of a way to summarize this to give y'all a powerful depiction of joseph's story but i i could do it no justice so we are just going to have to read it all right so we're going to be reading out of genesis chapter 37 verse 3 through 28 and so it says beginning at um verse 3 now Israel loved Joseph more than any other of his sons because he was the son of his old age and he made him a robe of many colors. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peacefully to him. Now Joseph had a dream and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. Mm. He said to them, Hear this dream that I have dreamed. Behold, we were binding sheaves in the field, and behold, my sheaf arose and stood upright. And behold, your sheaves gathered around it and bowed down to my sheaf. His brother said to him, Are you indeed to reign over us? Or are you indeed to rule over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. Got to learn to keep your mouth quiet. Okay, now picking up at verse nine. Then he dreamed another dream and told it to his brothers and said, behold, I have dreamed another dream. Behold, the sun, the moon, and 11 stars were bowing down to me. But when he told it to his father and to his brothers, his father rebuked him and said to him, what is this dream you have dreamed? Shall I and your mother and your brothers indeed come to bow ourselves to the ground before you? And his brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the saying in mind. Now his brothers went to pastor their father's flock near Shechem. And Israel said to Joseph, are not your brothers pastoring the flock at Shechem? Come, I will send you to them. And he said to him, 
here I am. So he said to him, go now, see if it is well with your brothers and with the flock and bring me word. So he went, so, so he sent him from the valley of Hebron and he came to Shechem and a man found him wandering in the fields. And the man asked him, what are you seeking? I am seeking my brothers, he said. Tell me, please, where they are pastoring the flock. And the man said, they have gone away, for I heard them say, let us go to Dothan. So Joseph went after his brothers and found them in Dothan. They saw him from afar, and before he came near to them, they conspired against him to kill him. They said to one another, here comes the dreamer, being sarcastic. Come now, let us kill him and throw him into one of the pits. Then we will say, that a fierce animal has devoured him and we will see what will become of his dreams. They was nasty, weren't they? But when Reuben heard it, he rescued him out of their hands saying, let us not take his life. And Reuben said to them, shed no blood, throw him into this pit here in the wilderness, but do not lay a hand on him that he might rescue him out of their hand to restore him to his father. So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped off his robe, mm, demeaned him, the robe of many colors that he wore. And they took him and threw him into a pit. The pit was empty. There was no water in it. Then they sat down to eat. So they weren't even phased. And looking up, they saw a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead with their camels bearing gum, balm, and myrrh on their way to carry it down to Egypt. Then Judah said to his brothers, what profit is it if we kill our brother and conceal his blood? Come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites and let not, not our hand be upon him, for he is our brother, our own flesh, and his brothers listened to him. Then Midianite tra uh, traders passed by, and they drew Joseph up and lifted him out of the pit and sold him to the Ishmaelites for 20 shekels of silver. They took Joseph to Egypt. Boy, I tell you. Okay, so now after Joseph was sold into slavery, he was taken to Egypt and a man named Potiphar, who was an officer of Pharaoh, bought Joseph. He purchased Joseph. Over time, Joseph found favor in the eyes of Potiphar, which led Potiphar to appoint Joseph as an overseer of his house. And uh, basically, he made him responsible for for everything of his household. Now, uh, eventually, Joseph was falsely accused by Potiphar's wife of trying to rape her, which led Joseph to, uh, to being imprisoned. Okay. So years later, Joseph was released from prison to interpret two dreams Pharaoh had. It was this moment of interpretation that induced Pharaoh to appoint Joseph as second in command or second most powerful man in Egypt. So I want y'all to think about this. Okay. Just think about this for a moment. Pharaoh was first in command. Joseph was appointed by Pharaoh to be second in command. Talk about a rise to power. 
listen. Okay. I'm getting, I'm about to get excited. So this is a brief history of Joseph's, Joseph's disadvantaged background. It, it, it is worthy, worthy taking note of that. Although Joseph's journey was filled with adversity, he was favored. So it got me to thinking, what was it? What was it? What was the secret to Joseph having this type of favor as a foreigner being being sold into slavery, y'all, in a foreign land, that land being Egypt, to serve as a slave, but as a slave with authority, which exalted him to very prominent, eminent roles. And it was this spiritual computation. The first step in this spiritual equation is to trust in God. I know we hear many people speak on this or say this like it's second nature to them, but this is not easy to do, especially when things are not appearing to be in your favor. Philippians 4 verse 6 through 7 reads, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Listen, it took me a long time to fully grasp the meaning of this scripture as well as the value of this scripture. Anxious means nervous, worried, apprehensive, fearful, or troubled. When God says be anxious over nothing, as difficult as that can be at times, that is exactly what he means. You have to believe with absolute surety and with firm and unwavering conviction that God hears your requests, whatever they may be, and he will bless you. Meaning when you take it to God, you're speaking to him as if the matter is already taken care of, that it is done, a done deal. You cannot be double-minded in your belief. For instance, we tell ourselves God is going to do, God is going to do it, or he's going to do something about it. And when it seems like he's not doing it or not doing something about it, we start to doubt. That is being double-minded. You cannot be shaken or weak-minded in your belief in him. Once you have taken the, taken the matter to God, you do not have to revisit the matter again. You don't. You do not have to worry about it, uh, worry about how it's going to be taken care of, how the task is going to get completed, how you are going to pay for something, how you are going to build something, how something is going to happen, what steps you need to take, if the opportunity you have created for yourself will be fruitful. None of those things are your concern. They're not. God, our limitless resource, will take care of those things for you. This is when the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds. You will not experience this peace without full trust in God. You won't. I've tried. It does not happen. If someone out there has done it, let me know. Okay. And I'm telling you, this works, okay? I'll give you an example. 
I have lived in financial straits and frankly, I was tired of it. I was, I was sick and tired of it. I created some opportunities for myself, one of which is 100% operative, okay? And I would do well, get my money up, and then something would happen. Well, like I said, I got tired of that. So I reflected on this scripture and I did some research, some of which I'm, I'm sharing with y'all now. And so I went to God and I spoke, okay? I spoke abundance, fruitfulness, financial consistency, consistency, stability, all forms of stability, longevity, surplus, and prosperity over my life, my daughter's life, and my businesses as well as all the opportunities I created for myself. When I took my request to God, it was just that. I said it with authority. I spoke of it not as if I was waiting for the arrival of it or as if I was waiting to see if God was going to do it. I spoke of it being done, of those things existing. And this is what I said. I said, we are blessed, Father. We are favored by you. My businesses are fruitful and continue to prosper. My businesses are financially consistent and bring forth a surplus of wealth. See, requesting, demanding, or requiring something is not disrespectful nor necessarily saying, this is what I want. This is how it has to be. This is what you have to do, okay? It's not requesting, demanding, or requiring something alternatively means you're speaking your request to God into existence with firm belief that once you've taken to it, him taken it to him, it's done. It is done. All right. And this is trust on a whole nother level. It is not a question of needing an answer but rather a statement of fact. I'm going to say it again. It is not a question needing an answer, but rather a statement of fact. Again, that you believe with firm conviction that those things are already done. Let me tell y'all, the day I said that prayer, I felt a heavy burden lift off of, off of me because when I spoke those things over my life, I believed it was already done. The next day, my life did a 360. I saw a shift in how my day went. I'm being serious, you guys, okay? So I kept my mindset the same. I was not going back to my old mindset that skeptical mindset, that poverty mindset, that um, feeling like, you know, bad if I want more in life or if I want abundance and prosperity or wealth in life. None of those things are bad. The scriptures say it is the love of money that is bad. All right. Now, I don't love money. I definitely don't put a money before God, but I sure do like it. Okay. All right. So, um, so like I said, I kept my mindset the same. Uh, so I woke up, the, okay, I woke up the following day. And when I woke up for the day, I, 
I, I can't, I, I always start my day off in prayer before my daughter wakes up. And I said, today, I, again, saying it with authority and surety and conviction. All right. I said, today is a fruitful day. Today is a day filled with blessings. Today, I will gain new clients. Clients are drawn to me. Guess what? What I spoke was exactly what happened. So the following day after that, I said with authority and full conviction and trust in God, what I expected for myself, what I know I deserve because I am God's child. God is a God of excellence. Okay. That's what I get from reading the Bible. And that is how my new mindset views myself as his child being made in his image and an image of excellence. I am worthy. You are worthy. Don't you forget it. Which brings me to my second step in the spiritual computation. Stop your negative self-talk and watch your words. There is so much power in our words. Our words are the building blocks to creating the life we desire. Even under pressure, trials, hardship, injustice, persecution, and setbacks, you cannot speak words that are harmful and destructive to your esteem. This, this, All this will do is alter the way you view yourself, your life, and how you view God. Joseph never talked bad to himself, nor was his spoken words negative and harmful in his surroundings. And I'm going to tell you how I know this, this to be true, okay? Because nowhere in the Bible does it say this, but I'm going to tell you how I know this. Because he would not have sp spoken, excuse me, because Because if he would have spoken negative or harmful words, he would have never been promoted or practically given the roles of leadership and authority he was given throughout his years in Egypt, all right? People who are promoted in life, who are climbing the social ladder and the ladder of success, people who people are drawn to and trust are positive people. They look on the brighter side of things. They don't allow the rough times to keep them down. They think outside of the box. They display emotional stability. They are sound in mind, which now leads, which now leads me to the third step of this spiritual equation. See yourself as a leader. You've got to see yourself as a leader. How do you see yourself? Joseph saw himself as a leader. God gave him a glimpse of the type of leader he would become in two visions. And Joseph never forgot that. And he never doubted that. And this helped Joseph to, to stay the course and keep his faith and trust in God strong. He didn't know when it would happen, but he knew it would happen. And he continued believing in God's promise to him because he saw that for himself. Not, not in just the vision, but in how he viewed himself. See, when you don't believe in yourself and you don't see yourself the way God sees you, you will doubt what 
God reveals to you and what he tells you. Joseph had to have already felt like a leader, felt different, knew he was meant for more and honed in on those feelings and inner beliefs prior to him being sold into slavery. Remember, he was favored by his father, Israel. He was loved by Israel more than his other brothers. He was the child of his father's old age. Israel had a special garment made just for him that none of his brothers had. Those things contributed to developing and fostering Joseph's esteem. He definitely stood out as different from the beginning. And this is why his brothers were, were jealous of him. Leaders are a different breed of people, period. Leaders stand out. The first, I mean, the fourth step to this spiritual computation is separating yourself from this world. Listen, y'all, you cannot see yourself the way this world sees you or how this world tries to oppress you into its view of you. You cannot rely on the things of this world. The things of this world will fail you. You are not meant to fit in. You're not. You are meant to stand out. And in that, you are going to make people uncomfortable because what happens is the God in you is going to manifest itself on the outside of you, which is going to either inspire people to change or make people uncomfortable because your example is highlighting or bringing to light their shortcomings. And there's going to be other times when it will trigger their insecurities, which will make them feel some type of way towards you. So you have to be willing to stand alone, to be different, to be comfortable in your own skin, to be confident in who God has created you to be, to be misunderstood, to feel like you don't belong because you don't. Joseph stood out. From day one, he stood out. He wasn't accepted by his brothers. His father favored him when he was in prison. Let me tell y'all, he stood out so much in prison that in Genesis 39, verse 20 through 23, the keeper of the prison looked upon Joseph with favor and gave Joseph the responsibility of looking over and attending to the other prisoners. What? Okay. And see, this is what standing out and separating yourself from this world will do for you. It blesses you with favor despite of your disadvantages. The fifth and final step to the spiritual computation is influence. You have to be a person of influence. In order to be a person of influence, you have to add value. What value do you bring to the table? Joseph was a young man of integrity, honor, loyalty. He was trustworthy, intelligent, confident, had foresight, meaning he was able to see the future and plan ahead accordingly, was organized, and he had leadership skills. All of these qualities that Joseph possessed made him a man or servant of value. Potiphar, the jail keeper, and Pharaoh saw the value in Joseph. Even Joseph's brothers saw the value in Joseph, and that's why they conspired against him the way they did. 
See, value will also threaten people, but you cannot let that intimidate you and keep you from having influence, all right? And all of us possess some form of value, but we have to be confident in our attributes of value. So again, the spiritual computation or formula for creating and building the life you deserve and desire for building, creating, developing your opportunities for for yourself and, and to ensure that they are successful and thrive is to one, trust in God. Two, stop your negative self-talk and be mindful of your words. Three, see yourself as a leader. There's nothing wrong with that. See yourself the way God created you. Four, separate yourself from the world. And five, be a person of influence by adding value. Remember, God is a limitless resource. So if you are faced with disadvantages, God can maneuver anything in your favor in ways that no man here on earth can do, okay? And and that's why I I stand firmly by what I what I say. You know, I know a lot of people will say, "Oh, there's so many um resources that are available to us and and you know that are accessible to us." Yeah, that might be true, but how many of them turn out to be successful? for us without God. You, do you, are you picking up what I'm putting down? God is the limitless resource. So we need him. I, I, I just, you know, we need him. So, which brings me to this. I've mentioned this before, but I'm going to mention this again because I mentioned this in one of my other podcast episodes. God is the only being who is limitless in any arena, any skill set, any range of capabilities, and has qualities, resources, and tools that run beyond what we know, see, have, possess, or have access to. God has no boundaries, no cutoff point, no walls. He is constrained within and no border. So really, really imagine this. God is the and all and be all, the alpha and the omega. He is the master creator and all things depend on his creation. He is always present. His existence is infinite. God has a 24-hour hotline. He is accessible 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and 365 days of the year. He putting in a whole lot of overtime. God's timing is outside of time zones. His timing cannot be measured. God is the only one that can do something about everything because he is the only one that has the power and the means to do so. Boom. God is the only one who's truly limitless, okay? A limitless resource at that. All right, so this wraps up our podcast episode today. I hope this has blessed you. I hope this has touched you, gave you some things to think about, reflect on, meditate on. And I definitely hope that, like I said, inspired you, you know? Okay. So I do want to let y'all know that instead of me posting a podcast episode weekly, I will be going bi-weekly. It's just, um, just to make my load a little bit lighter. 
And I really want to be as thorough um, and give my best in each of these episodes to you guys, you know, and really um, represent God in an excellent way. Enjoy the rest of your week. Make it the best. Um, 